I was jiggling my boobs, I was jiggling my bum, I was doing all of that. How did that go? It was tricky. What's kind of the range you're normally in? That's pretty, pretty big numbers. You take me or you don't. If you don't take me, well then fuck off. Take us through a day in your life. What the fuck is my life? Tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of how you ended up on OnlyFans. I went to school, graduated, and then fell into like a nine-to-five role. I always felt when I was working nine-to-five that I just didn't fit in that area of my life at all. I was always changing jobs. I was skipping jobs. I hated having a boss. And I then fell pregnant and had my first child. And during that time when I became a mum, I fell into a space of being like, what the fuck is my life? Like, am I supposed to have this adorable child that I love with all my heart and then go back to work and and leave them and work for the rest of my life? Like, that just didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense that I couldn't live life on my own terms. I couldn't live life working around this newborn that I fell so deeply in love with. So I stayed at home and I was... I wouldn't say I was actively looking for opportunities, but one just kind of came my way and that was network marketing. Interesting. So I feel like, you know, a lot of people that, um, you know, when they start getting into the whole entrepreneurship world, network marketing is kind of one of the first stops on that journey. And there's a lot of them out there. Like, how did you, did somebody kind of recruit you into that? There's, you know, there's Arbonne and Beachbody and Herbalife, just all these different things. Which, Which one were you working for? So I was with Juice Plus, uh, which is a global company. Probably didn't really matter if it was going to be Arbonne or Juice Plus or um, Isogenics, any of those. It was literally just the business structure of it and being able to work at home. I saw, yeah, I just saw an opportunity there. So I jumped in. When it comes to anything like that, right, with whether it's affiliate marketing, network marketing, OnlyFans, it seems like, you know, because especially with network marketing or really any business, uh, there's a lot of people that do it and very, very few that actually make any money, any sort of real money. So with that, I mean, did you kind of rise the ranks and become sort of a top earner in that business too? Or was it much more of a grind or like, how did that go? It was definitely a hustle. I did hit the top ranks Thinking back now, I think it was in my first 18 months, I hit the top ranks um, and I did become a into the leadership level, I suppose, back then quite quickly. But that wasn't something that was, I suppose, given to me. I didn't fall into that. That was hard fucking work. Like that was hustling. That was seeing an opportunity and a blueprint for success and absolutely running with it and getting in the trenches. Okay. So for that, we're, when you're you know, getting traffic and leads for, for that. It, was it all basically just like cold outreach or were you doing social media at that time? Or like, how were you actually getting traffic and, and marketing that? Yeah. So we were doing it all through our social media and it basically was cold leads. Uh, so this was through a time of COVID as well. So there were a lot of people at home or a lot of people on social media. So social media was was, you know, increasing and the users were increasing. People were losing their jobs um, and staying at home. And I think that was a big time for us on social media where it kind of took off for us for network marketing because we could still do all our affiliate marketing and all our sales online. So all of our marketing was done through our personal Facebook pages and our Instagram pages, and it was cold. You know, we would reach out to women there and uh, say, hey, you know, this is what I do. I think you would be great. Would you like the opportunity? Building relationships with women and just getting the message out there. So it was a lot of, I suppose, cold leads, but more so setting yourself as an influencer in a sense of, This is what I've created. Yeah, I mean, because anybody who can be at least semi-successful at network marketing can probably do really well (laughs) with OnlyFans because it is, you know, such a grind uh, to to build something like that up. Um, And with OnlyFans, there typically tends to be a lot of really big fluctuations. So you, so was your best ever point two, or are you typically like in a range, or what's kind of the range you're normally in? 
Yeah, so I, I fluctuate anywhere between uh, 0.2 to 0.4, depending on my months and what my social media is doing. Uh, for a lo- I did hit the top 1% really quickly, and I probably stayed at 0.9% for a long time because that grind getting down, like getting lower down, obviously, you know, is scaled. It's going to get harder and harder. But I now typically sit between, yeah, 0.2 to 0.4. Gotcha. And that, I mean, that's super impressive because there's not, you know, there's not that many creators that can reach that level. So, I mean, that's pretty, pretty big numbers Um, because it's, you know, from basically a hundred to say 3%, you're not really making that much money. And then from 3% to 1%, you know, then it's like a kind of a livable amount of income. And then from 1% down that's when you're actually start to make pretty, pretty strong money. Um, which I think a, a lot of creators don't really realize that like you have to basically get all the way to the top 1% before you really start to start to hit the, the real numbers. Um, before, okay. So before, before network marketing and OnlyFans, were there any, did you always kind of have like this entrepreneurship itch? Were there other like side hustles that you were doing at the time? No, there uh, there actually wasn't. When I was working nine to five, I didn't, I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't know, you know, there was no self-awareness there. I didn't know what was going on because I would work for someone and if something wasn't working in my advantage or I wasn't happy with how something was going, I'd just, I'd fucking quit. I'd quit and I'd find a new job. And I knew I was really, really good at securing jobs and I always had work and people that knew me would always laugh and be like, you know, what are you doing now? But looking back at it, I was just, I honestly think I was born to be my own boss. Like I would just was not prepared to work for other people on other people's terms. I could see the world differently. I could see business differently. And I'd question like, why are we doing it this way? And it just, I got to a point where I was like, why do I want to work for other people? Like, why do I want to sell my time and my freedom to other people for no money? And it wasn't until network marketing. I still believe it was the universe that threw it my way because I truly believe I didn't get into network marketing. I may have been stuck on that hamster wheel. So you kind of went through this whole process and now you've kind of, you know, got to this level in your business that very few people reach. And now you have a podcast of your own where you kind of talk about your OnlyFans journey and, you know, the strategies and stuff that you use. What was kind of the inspiration for starting that? So when I decided to start OnlyFans, I had come from the network marketing industry where there was so much help. There was people on stage, conferences, people helping you. They've given you their blueprint to success and what they've done. Nothing was as like too much. There was always people you could reach out to. There was such a big community there. And anyone that's been in the network marketing industry will really feel that. It's a community and they want to help everyone win. So I went from this bubble of having cheerleaders, having people reach out and say, hey, do you need help? Let's get on a call. Like, what do you need? We're going to retreats together. We're doing all these amazing things to all of a sudden OnlyFans. And I was like, holy fuck like I'm on my own and I knew I was going to be on my own because that's what I wanted I wanted to to build a business where it came down to me but I suppose what I didn't expect was that I was truly on my own in a sense of back when I started there was limited resources to tap into there wasn't many in Australia especially creators that were hustling in the trenches that were you know making a really good income that were sharing their tips and ideas and OnlyFans is so diverse. There are so many different creators on the platform that are doing different things. You can tap into different niches. You can have your page as free, paid, no PPV. You can have one page, you can have two page. There is so many things at the start of your business, branding and marketing, everything that comes into it, that really, if you do it right, it sets you off on the right foot. And I just found that when I joined, I had so much passion and I had so much energy and I was so excited and then I like hit a wall and I was like fuck where do I start like and I kind of lost a little bit of that at the start because I was so overwhelmed and I was so confused so I it threw me back a little bit and then I thought well fuck if there's nothing out there that's going to you know really give back and 
give it all. I'm going to do my own research. So after digging heaps and heaps and watching a few YouTube clips and listening to a few bits and pieces, um, I built my business from all the research I'd done, keeping in mind that I had researched six months beforehand, jumped in, thought, holy shit, what now? Then researched everything, bought mini eBooks, did it all. And then I built my business up and it was actually... It was actually six months ago, I was watching a video of myself. I don't know why I did this, but when I started my OnlyFans journey, I recorded everything and I watched it. I watched it back for the first time ever. And I was just looking at this girl two years ago and I could just see how lost she was and how she had no guidance, no community. And she fucking figured it out. And that was awesome. But there are so many women I feel that come into the industry and they do feel lost and don't know where to start and lack community. Um, and that's what I want to give back. So I was like, well, fuck it. Like I have worked to build my business and I've done all the research. Now I can streamline this for other creators out there. I can streamline this to help them get to that top 1% quicker and not have to do all the grind and the hustle I mean, you still have to do that, but not go and, you know, buy all the ebooks and go and do it all because there is someone now that's opening the door and saying, you know, you can come join us. We, we want to give it to you. We want to pat on your back. We want to say, you've got this girl, like, here's the direction. Let's go. So that's why the podcast came about. And yeah, that's why Honey's Making Money is the answer. So you touched on a few things there, um, which I feel like a lot of creators struggle with. One of the biggest ones kind of being, you know, the the fear of judgment from their friends and family and stuff like that. You kind of started, you, you were introduced to this from somebody that you met when you were traveling. Aside from that, I mean, do you know other people that do this like in real life that you can kind of like collaborate with or hang out with or, you know, create content with or whatever? Or do you, do you kind of feel like you're on your own? You know, you and your husband are on this kind of lonely island going through this journey together. Nobody understands and, and stuff like that. Uh, so when I first started my journey, yes, it was very lonely. There was very small amount in Australia of creators doing it that I knew of anyway. I always say this, it's really hard to try and try and find other creators online when you've got no one, no friends in common, nothing, because a lot of the time they're using fake names. They're not really advertising it because of the terms and conditions on the site. So to really try and source the creators out is really hard. So when I started, yeah, it was, it was a lonely process and it was probably, I would say six months in, I started to find some more creators who had already been there, some more upcoming and I decided to create like just a few days of collaboration days where we could get together, we could do stuff for our site, we could do stuff for TikTok and Instagram. And through those collaboration days, like I was so grateful that like I was so nervous to organize them. This is talking a year and a half ago. I was so nervous to organize them, but I knew it was a step I had to take to build that the start of that community because I'm like, I need you know, we need a little group. We need people that we can meet. And other girls that don't know anyone can come along and meet people. So through those collaborations and hiring houses and doing all these collabs was where I built some really incredible friendships. So now I know of lots of beautiful uh, Australian creators who we collab all, all the time and we get together and do our marketing together. And it really does make a difference. It does make a difference when you can get with other creators and collaborate and build business together. It makes it a more enjoyable journey. Um, and it just, yeah, it makes you feel like you're not as a, as alone. So there are definitely people in my life now, um, but at the start it was, it was tricky. And how did, how did you kind of go about the process of, you know, telling your friend, your actual, you know, your personal friends and family, did you try to like hide it from them for a while and then eventually they found it or did you kind of feel forced to tell them after a while or how did that kind of play out? So when I first started, I said to myself, I really don't care what anyone thinks of me as long as my mother and a my brother would accept it. Like they were the only ones that really mattered. As long as my mom is okay with it, then I am absolutely fine. I was terrified to tell my mom I... I was crying. She thought I had cancer. She was like, tell me what's wrong. What's going on? Um, and my mum was just absolutely incredible. She's like, look, I don't give a fuck. As long as you are healthy, happy, and it's safe, you do you. 
Um, so that set me off on a really good like start to my business because that's all that really mattered. Obviously, my husband, he came first and we always discuss anything before doing it and we're all in this together. So I had him as really great support. I had my mom as such incredible support. Um, but yeah, in terms of family and friends outside of that, it it did turn a little bit nasty, I suppose. They did find out in ways I didn't want them to find out. Um, I hadn't had an opportunity to tell them yet. So we, there was a time in my life where a particular person, I'm not sure who it is to this day, they found my content and they shared it around to my family and friends before I had the opportunity to share it with them. So obviously from the view of my family and friends, terrible way to find out, horrible way to find out. Um, and I completely understand that. And it just, yeah, it really took that from myself and my husband being able to explain it, why we do it. Um, so really I only had the opportunity to tell one person and it was really positive experience. And then on the other side of that, that was taken away from me from everyone else. And it was a really negative experience. So yes. When, when you first started, you know, kind of thinking about doing this, you and your husband were kind of thinking about it like he was supportive basically from the beginning yeah absolutely and it wasn't going to be an option if we weren't all in both of us so when the opportunity came up and we researched it it was never from a place of like oh my gosh like I can't believe you want to do that like no that's like it, it was never from a place of just being insecure it was from a place of well this looks like a good business opportunity let's see if it's something we could possibly be comfortable with and the more we spoke about it I said to him I said look if I'm doing this you know it's going to affect me more in the long run uh you know it's a little bit different with society and with you so God's going throughout this you've got to make sure that you're 100% okay with this because you're going to be my person for to support like you're going to be my person to lean on and we're going to be doing this together but making sure that he was really comfortable with that and that I was really comfortable with that so what we did actually do because there's one thing saying that you're comfortable with that and you're supportive of it but then there's the other part of it is actually going ahead so we went uh no face for the first three months just to make sure that all the research we had done and everything we had kind of put to the test was going to be what we thought it was going to be. And also just to make sure that it was for us, like we were, we were all in, but we just need to make sure that the support was still there, that our marriage was going to be okay, that everything was going to still stick together like we thought it would. And three months in, we literally just fell in love with it even more. And we thought, yeah, okay, this is for us. Like let's absolutely go for it. And honestly, my husband's been the biggest support I could ever ask for he's absolutely amazing and yeah he's just been incredible throughout the whole process I honestly would not have been able to do it without him does he is he kind of like help you manage your account and like you know help you with photo shoots and like do all that kind of stuff uh you know in terms of management or is he kind of just you know a, a support character or, or how does how does that work so at the start he was heavily involved in the business. So he was doing a lot of the work for me and helping me out. Um, and it was basically honey and hay. So he was a big part of the business. He then got a business opportunity to go back to work and um, work interstate. So he took that opportunity. So now he's more on the back foot. He just helps with obviously the filming side of it. He's still in all the videos. He still films. He helps me take my photos. Um, and does more of the content side of it. But in terms of the physical business, it's now uh, purely me. By the way, if you want to learn the best systems and strategies to grow your social media and really level up your skills to get more fans consistently, be sure to check the link down in the description below, or you can scan the QR code on the screen here. Remember, average skills are going to give you average results, and average is not going to pay your bills in this business. It's up to you to master these skills and learn how to properly promote your account if you want to see real long-term success in the business and now back to the podcast you're you're in a pretty unique position right because you know you're in the in the top you know zero percent and you know 
I guess the question is why, what, what about your marketing efforts? So I, you know, you're on a lot of different platforms, right? You're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, you're all these different places. And there's a lot of other creators that are doing that as well. However, they don't really get traction while others do. So is there anything that, that you can, you know, that comes to mind? Like why does your marketing content work so well when a lot of other people are kind of doing similar stuff, but it doesn't work for them? I think a few things come into that. Um, one, the big part of that is definitely branding um, and knowing your audience and who you're appealing to. And having, when I say a niche, it doesn't need to be the smallest niche in the world, but just having a market you know that you're tapping into, having a broad audience and trying to do everything and appeal to everyone, it just gets lost. It gets lost in the crowd. So if you're trying to appeal to just males, like it's going to be really, really hard for you to really dive in and and narrow down into that targeted audience. So having a brand that's really going to represent who you are, the authentic bits of you and what it represents. So how do you go about, like, I guess, first of all, how much content are you posting daily? Like how much, like how much unique content are you, are you creating on a daily basis? And then how are you posting that? And then are you reposting that content onto other platforms or are you creating all unique content on every platform or how does your workflow kind of go with that? Yeah. So I, I believe I'm in a position now where it's not as heavy as what it was because that branding coming into it a little bit more. But when I was in my full hustle mode, I was creating brand new content every single day. Not so much on Instagram. I treat Instagram and Facebook. So, uh, sorry, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook are my three main marketing tools. I treat, uh, Facebook and Instagram as, uh, content I can just repurpose because I find that for me it works well. I don't need to be producing brand new stuff on those platforms every day. So I use TikTok to pull that uh, content from. And when I was really in the trenches hustling, I had 17 accounts and I was filming brand new content on those accounts every single day. So I would do the same trend 17 times over in that account and I would create burner accounts and I would create one to two weeks worth of content. I would upload them immediately so they wouldn't go in my drafts. I would upload them immediately. And then in two weeks, I would determine which accounts I'd log out of. I'd disconnect my Instagram. I'd completely just get rid of them because they weren't growing. And I'd probably had like four or five accounts that were going well. And then I'd heavily focus on those ones. It seems to be a common thing, a, a common theme among most of the kind of top 1%, top 0% creators is just sheer volume that they're putting out um, in comparison to a lot of the creators that struggle. They, they really try to, you know, focus on making the best video, the most perfect video, the most, you know, aesthetic video. And then a lot of the creators that are really hitting big numbers are not so much focused on creating the best video in the whole world, but just focusing on putting out volume um, as much as possible, as quickly as possible. I like to always use the kind of slot machine analogy. The more that you can pull the lever, you know, eventually it's going to hit at some point in time. You just don't really necessarily know when, but how do you kind of go about, um, choosing, like, do you do a lot of research into the trends or do you just do stuff that you feel like doing? So I do do a lot of research into the trends for my niche. So obviously I'm a country girl. So a lot of country content does really well for me. Outdoor content does really well for me. So if I am just going to jump on a trend of you know, doing a pretty trend makeup transition inside, it's not going to work for me. So I need to go and research, like, who are the girls in this industry that, you know, do out, uh, outdoor content, that live on farms, that are doing country content and what's working for them. And what I'll do is I will take inspiration and I will implement that onto mine. If I can see a video on there, it's doing really well with the trending sound, I will use that. I then determine out of everything I've put on my page, which ones have taken off and then I'll duplicate that and um, basically run with it. A lot of the things that I kind of, you know, teach in the course and things like that, you're already doing, you kind of just had this intuition to <laughs> to do it, but and you never had to really be taught, uh, it seems. And it, it, a lot of the creators are struggling because, you know, in 2000, 
2020, 2021, even 2022, kind of the main strategy was doing, you know, all of the same OnlyFans related thirst trap style trends over and over again. But you kind of took it in a different direction, branding into this country girl niche and kind of, you know, creating trendy content, but unique in your own way and just doing it, you know, outside of this bubble of OnlyFans specific trends, which in the long run has really paid off for you because a lot of the creators that got stuck in those habits are all their accounts are banned. They're all, you know, all their accounts are throttled. They're not getting views anymore, but you still are because you're outside of that little bubble. Would you agree that that's kind of helped you in the long run? Yeah, absolutely. And it is funny that you do say that because I was there once in my business. I was there and I didn't have a brand. I didn't have a niche. I was doing what everyone else was doing. I was just wearing, you know, sexy clothes. I was jumping on. I was jiggling my boobs. I was jiggling my bum. I was doing all of that. And I was, I was getting banned instantly. It was just so repetitive. Like I was just, I would post something, it would get taken down. And it was, there was a time in my business where I was like, this is not sustainable. It's not sustainable for me to be making this much content just for it to be pulled straight away. And you start thinking outside of the box. And that was actually, I was already, I've been a country girl my whole life my whole life. And I don't know why it wasn't so obvious to me at the start, but I actually rebranded my whole business because I was like, well, trying to be this sexy other person is not working. It's not working. So why don't I just fucking be myself and really hone in on what I do day to day and I can still make it sexy. Some things are just really average. Like some of my viral videos are me in my full country outfit, pants, jacket, beanie, opening up my shed. And it goes viral. Like it's simple stuff like that because I am tapping into my niche. And when I started to just do what I did daily and tap into that branding side of it and the niche, that's when the brand started to build and that's when I started to go viral. And I still get taken down. I still get deleted. Like I'm not going to say I just lost my, my big account and it's not coming back. But it's definitely less frequent and I can definitely recognize that there's a brand there that people are recognizing Honey Brooks when I do come back and create new accounts that I'm getting followers quickly because that brand is already starting to be established, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. 100, 100% it makes sense. And um, uh, would you also kind of agree that, um, or I guess what what is your opinion on, because a lot of creators feel like they have to sort of put on a show or play, play a character or put on a, you know, just kind of a performance that can be really exhausting. And one of the things I try to kind of, you know, tell tell creators is that, um, and you're a, a perfect example of this, is that it it's a lot more, or at least it seems to be a lot more freeing and easy to just film your actual self rather than trying to put on a show and try to perform what you think people are going to want to see and just instead be your actual self and the people that are attracted to that will come and the people that aren't won't, but it just makes the whole process so much more simple and easy. What do you, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on that? I honestly couldn't agree more. And I wish I heard that earlier in my business. Like I wish I knew that so early on, uh, because it would have changed the game for me. And it is like, we, you've got to think longevity in, in your business, right? Like you're going to be doing this if you're looking at this as a, as a business and a career, and you're going to be doing this over five to seven, 10 years. You're going to be doing this day in and day out, right? So if you're going to pretend to be somebody else and you're going to put on this huge front and whatever you're going to be doing takes a lot of effort because it's not natural to you, there's no longevity there. Like you're going to get burnt out. You're going to hate what you do because it's not you. Um, and it's just not fun. As soon as you can tap into what you're doing every single day and who you are and pull those parts of you out that just naturally comes out, is where it gets really enjoyable. And the, the other side of that and the flip side is, like you mentioned, the people that like it come, the people that don't like it go. So when you really narrow down your branding and your niche, for me personally, I've found on my OnlyFans site, I fucking love myself because it's not only in terms of, you know, your marketing, but also behind the scenes with OnlyFans, it makes it an enjoyable place because your people are there, the people that you get along to day to day there and it's awesome exactly yeah that's a, a perfect uh a perfect explanation i think so many so many creators would have such a easier time i think if they really 
but it's I think it's hard for a lot of creators because they you know they really just feel like they have to do what they think people want to see or you know and things like that. But what so right now, kind of your main platforms, TikTok, you know, Instagram, Facebook. Out of those three, which one would you say is performing the best for you right now? Definitely TikTok. TikTok is where I perform well. If if I should say when, <laughs> when I lose my accounts, um, it's Instagram and then Facebook. But Facebook, I see. I have a love hate relationship with TikTok because I know that at some stage I'm like I put so much work into it and I'm going to lose it. I love Facebook for the reason that it is such low effort and it really gives me a great return. So Facebook's a really great marketing tool for me. Just like it'll randomly pop. Like I'll just post some reels on there. Like I post a reel every day, some flop, some don't. And then randomly I'll get millions of views. So it's really minimal work for me. So when Facebook pops, it goes, um, it's amazing. But in terms of consistency and being pushed viral more often, it's definitely TikTok and then Instagram. What is there any like certain things? Because a lot of creators will, you know, they'll create content, they'll create it, create it, create it, and then they'll finally sort of discover a certain little area that works really well for them and really go all in. Like for some creators, it's, you know, creating video replies to comments, or for some, it's like creating reaction videos, or for some, it's, you know, this, that. Is there any, like style of TikTok that you've seen kind of work over and over again? Or do you really try to like change it up all the time? Or how does that work? So there are two styles personally for me that work really well. Obviously the very sexy trends, um, the very forward trends of doing your booty shaking, your boobs out on the farm, doing impersonating what you're going to be doing and then on the flip side of it what I see that's working really well at least in Australia uh for sex workers and what works really well for me is your vlogs your vlog type behind the scenes anything over a minute I really think TikTok pushes um if you are talking you're editing your videos in the app and you're talking over them you're telling them what you're doing and you're applying to comments and having conversations with people I think people are really and I think TikTok is pushing it as well, but I think people are really wanting that personal interaction on the app. And when they can see more about you and, and your life, I think it gets pushed more. Not only does it get pushed more, I find there's a big conversion rate for me because how many girls are shaking their boobs or ass on TikTok? There's a lot. But when you can show your personality and you can bring it out, you know, there's going to be people on there that fucking hate your personality and that's fine. You know, the haters give you more pushes. Like they're going to push you to become more viral. I've so many people tell me that they fucking hate my voice and you know, that's great because it pushes it more, but also the people that love that I live on a farm, that I'm bubbly and you know, I'm kind, they, I see a higher conversion rate when they go viral versus, um, like a sexy trend. Well, you brought up a couple interesting points there, um, which is a, another kind of hot topic about, handling haters how do you go about you know obviously when it's tiktok instagram reels there's a ton of haters ton of trolls all over social media and the 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 general response is oh i don't care what anybody thinks but like how do you actually do that because a lot of times that's easier said than done and a lot of creators will say i don't care what anybody thinks but in reality it does actually affect them a lot so is there any kind of you know, tricks or like mantras or things that you tell yourself that like helps you kind of deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, at the end of the day, the more you say, I don't give a fuck, you do, you've got to do the work, right? There are going to be haters out there. There are going to be people that literally they are out there just to sit on their couch at night and leave negative comments. But the way I've trained my brain and the way I look at it is hurt people, hurt people. And this isn't easy. It's not easy to get to a place in your life, in your business, anywhere, especially social media. Like we're the ones putting ourselves in the ring, right? Like we're in the fucking arena. We're the ones battling it and everyone from the outside looking in can drop their opinions in and say what they want to, but they're not in the fucking arena. They're not the ones being themselves. They're not the ones that are, you know, doing the battles and putting themselves out there. So you've really got to take any negative opinions or negative comments 
away from yourself because hurt people hurt people. It's them. It's a reflection of them. Whatever they're saying, it to me, it represents trauma in their life. It represents something that they're unhappy with. A lot of the times when I read comments, I think, oh, fuck, like I feel so shit for this person because, you know, instead of going out and being themselves and living their most incredible life and being happy and going and doing something that they actually enjoy, instead they're sitting on their couch leaving negative comments on people's pages that they don't even know. Do the work on yourself and just remind yourself that nobody has the power to take away your happiness. No one has the power to take away what you're doing with your business. Yeah, I think you, I think you said a, a few really kind of key things there, which is number one, you can, you know, pay attention to the things that are triggering you and sort of use that as a compass on what to focus on. You know, go buy a book about that, or listen to a podcast, or do something to sort of, you know, figure out that particular, um, you know, issue, whatever it might be that's that's making you upset and things like that. I think if creators really actually took that piece of advice to heart, I think that could be a huge huge help to to them rather than kind of just, you know, putting on a mask and saying that it that they don't care, but they actually do, like actually address the issue and, and you know, get it, get it handled. I think that's a really good piece of advice. When I kind of meet people in real life and they ask me, what do you do for a living? For me, like if it's, if it's somebody that I just met right off the bat, and I don't feel like explaining the whole thing. <laughs> I'll just be like, oh, I do, you know, I do social media, whatever. Do you do that? Like, with people that you randomly meet, do you ex- do you tell them straight away I do OnlyFans, or do you just do like oh I do you know social media whatever you know stuff like that? Yeah, look, so I really assess the situation. For me, I'm all about energy and preserving energy. And for me, if I assess a situation and an old like Joe farmer down the road saying what do you do for work. For me, that energy is not there worth it to explain to him what I do. I just say I just work, you know, online. I manage accounts um, and no one questions it because they know it's online. If I know that it's going to be someone in my life or a potential friendship, then I'm completely upfront with my hairdresser, you know, anyone that does any beauty um, services with me or, you know, if I know that someone's going to be in my life, I tell them because I'm at a point now where I'm like, you fucking either accept me or you don't. And it's good to know now because I used to just hide it and then people would find out, like I'm talking on a friendship level, um, when I was creating new friends or I went to a new situation, I would hide it and then people would find out later and judge me and I felt so much hurt and pain over that last, you know, that the six months was just a waste of time. So I've learned from that and now I know right, when I meet people, I know they're going to be in my life. This is what I am. You take me or you don't. If you don't take me, well, then fuck off. Like I'm not wasting time with you anymore. So I really assess the situation um, because I want to preserve my energy. And I really think there's a time and place. Like, you know, I went to a 90th last week. I don't need to be telling everyone there, you know, what I do because I preserve my energy. They're not going to understand anyway. And it's a quick conversation. With that, I guess the kind of the, the next thing that people are always curious about is kind of how you structure or how, you know, top creators kind of structure their time. So take us through a day in your life, you know, from the, from the, from the time you wake up, you know, how do you kind of structure the the things that you spend time on and how do you kind of like choose what's important to do? Yeah, of course. So for me and time management and my structure, it all comes about, it all Sorry, it all comes down to intention. So the night before I write my intentions and what to do, I had a to-do list for every single day that I need to tick off. But the night before I do my intentions of what I'm going to wake up and do, I don't work very well waking up, not having a to-do list and everything goes to shit and I feel overwhelmed and I'm just like, what's going on? And the kids are running around. I need my list and I list it from most important to least important. And that changes daily. Like I've got my to-do list that I need to do. And I know like every week what I'm doing on my site, I'm scheduling, I'm doing all of that each day, you know, each month I'm scheduling out, I'm doing content at the start of the month. Um, But in terms of each day where it looks like it's completely different, like my custom videos that I get, I prioritize them at the top each morning. So I get them done out of the way. I might have video calls that day, so I'm working around that. So it does really change, but what doesn't change on my everyday list and what is a really high priority for me is my marketing. 
And that is my TikTok. So TikTok is absolutely number one at the top there because that's where I get the most subs. Um, and then Instagram and doing my social media, turning up, showing up on social media behind the scenes. So really working through my day, um, you know, dropping the kids off to school, getting the most important things out of the way, whether it's customs, then getting into TikTok um, and doing all my social part of the day. First part of the month is normally just all my OS stuff, so like my scheduling and um, finance and doing all of that. And then the rest of the week, I'm just going through all those bits and pieces. The most important thing that kind of stands out to me, which I think if creators would just implement this one thing, it would change their entire life in their business and everything, which is which is writing lists. I'm a huge fan of creating lists. And I think a lot of creators kind of, you know, they let all these things sort of pile up in their head. And then it's just like, you know, you, you have things to do, but then there's other things that are just bouncing around in the back of your mind and that starts creating anxiety. And then that starts creating overwhelm. And then you feel like you can't get everything done. So then you don't want to do anything at all. And I think that's like a common, you know, problem that a lot of creators face, um, which to me, if if I could recommend one, just one single thing for anybody to take away from this podcast, it would be to to really focus on, you know, organizing your task. And once you write them down, like you said, in, a, in you know, order from importance, I think that by itself is like a huge <laughs> piece if creators actually took that piece of advice and did it it, it kind of changes everything yeah and i think i think also as well it um on the flip side of that when you do create lists like i know this for me when i create lists at the end of the day i look at my list and i can reflect and i'm like but like fuck yeah i've had an amazing day like look how productive i've been i'm like i physically tick everything off so at the end of the day, you're telling yourself, look how much I've done. I'm, I'm winning, like I'm working, I'm growing, I'm doing all of this. So not only are you, are you preparing yourself in the morning to get everything done, you're not feeling overwhelmed. But at the end of the day, there's that sense of winning and that sense of success, which I think personally sets you up for success again in the morning because you're not going to bed with a mindset of like, fuck, I did nothing, like today was shit, what a what, like, what like, a write-off and all this stuff. You're going to bed feeling grateful and like you've hustled and that's such a good way to end the day. How do you keep yourself motivated to like, because especially when you get to a level where you're making good money, it's different when you have a job, right? You don't have a choice. You have to wake up, you have to show up. If you don't, you get fired. It's yes or no, do it or don't. It's very simple to to you know, stay motivated because if you don't, you're not going to get your paycheck. However, in your case, you kind of have the option to, to lay in bed if you want to. So how do you have the motivation to, to get yourself to get up and do all the stuff when you don't necessarily have to? I'm very goal orientated and I'm very orientated on hitting big goals and their personal goals in my life and doing things with my family and freedom and having vision boards around what I want to do with my life and where I want to go and where I want to take my family and what our life wants to look like. So I'm so solid on the vision of what I want for my family, where we want to be and how we want to live and our time freedom. And it's just ingrained in me. It's honestly ingrained in me that, yeah, like some days I wake up and I feel like, fuck, I don't feel like doing anything. Like I do not feel like doing anything today. And I think there's power in recognizing that today's not my day. Like today I feel a bit shit and, you know, today I'm not in my creative element or today, you know, I just, I've been working too hard. I need a rest. And once you recognize that, take rest without guilt, take the day off, fire, like quit, <laughs> like get fired, do what you need to do for that day, but wake up the next day and rehire yourself. Wake up the next day and say, right, I've had my fucking moment, you know, now back on track because my dreams, you know, they're not wait, like they're not going to stick around. My dreams aren't going to get given to me. I've got to give that to myself. I've got to give that to my family. And I'm a big believer because I've been there before. Inaction creates inaction. The longer you stay in inaction, like if you want to quit one day, quit one day, but make sure like you're getting up the next morning and you're hiring yourself again and you are the CEO and you're fucking doing it because if you say, oh no, I still feel shit, your inaction is going to promote even more inaction. And we see this in day-to-day -day life, like going to the gym. 
if you don't go, like the hardest part is fucking starting. If you don't go to the gym or you say, ah, oh, I'll go tomorrow, I'll go tomorrow, I'll go tomorrow, you get into this pattern. As soon as you take the action, it promotes more action. As soon as you get in the car and go to the gym and you're at the gym, you're in action, like, and it's good. It feels good. And then you're getting results and you keep going. And that's exactly how I look at motivation. Like the longer I sit around and piss and moan for, the longer that that's going to to happen. That's how I stay motivated and that's how I look at my business so I don't lose motivation. But like I said, there are days where I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. In your opinion, what is like between all these different things, right? There's so many components that go into it. What do you think is the biggest reason or why do so many creators fail at OnlyFans? Is it a lack of motivation? Is it a lack of creativity? Is it they just don't know the the right strategies or like what do you think it is? From what I've seen and my personal opinion on this, I honestly think expectations are too high in the industry. I think there's a lot of resources out there that talk about how much they've earned so quickly in OnlyFans. There's a lot of talk around money on OnlyFans. And anytime you see an article or a YouTube, there is I'd earn X amount in this amount of time. So I think there's a big image around the industry that if you start OnlyFans, you're going to be earning a lot of money really quickly. And maybe pre-COVID a few years ago, if you had a semi-business mind, yeah, like it was much easier, but now that's not the case. So I think the expectations of coming into the business is just so flawed that they're going to come in and they're going to get instant gratification. They're going to get, you know, a heap of followers. They're going to get a heap of money and it's going to be easy. And I think that that's what the setback is that I see in the industry, that it's fucking hard work. It's a business. Like you've got to come in and treat it like a business. You've got to come in and understand it's going to take a few months, if not 12 months, to really build up your brand. And it's going to take that time and groundwork and hustling to build. And what would you say to, because you you basically, so you came in, you bought my course at some point in time. Before that, would you, were there other courses or other things that you bought or how important would you say that it is for creators to either, you know, invest in their own training or education? What what would you say that the, the benefit is to, you know, buying a course or getting into a community or things like that versus just like, you know, free content on Reddit or YouTube or stuff like that? Oh, absolutely crucial. Like for me, I'm still buying courses. You know, I am doing my podcast and I'm doing um, coaching and training and I'm still buying courses because there's, you never stop learning. You can never, ever stop learning. There's other people out there that you can tap into that give you something different or a different point of view or give you more in a certain area. If you think you don't need to keep growing or you don't need to keep learning, then that's your ego taking over and you're going to be stuck. We all need to grow. We all need to keep growing and evolving, whether that's in business or personal growth. Um, For me, that's how I learned how to get where I am now. I bought mini courses. I tapped into people. Like I went out and wanted to know, well, what are they doing? What, like, did they have a course? I'm getting it. And I've spent a lot of money. Even to this day, I have a business coach and I continue to spend money on that because there is so much value in educating yourself. There is so much value in growing and people can put it to you differently and it only takes one course for it to click and be like, oh shit, yeah, that's awesome. Or you click with that person and you get what they're saying. So for me personally, I think it's absolutely crucial for personal growth, for business growth to Start buying courses if you're not doing it because it's a business, like treat it like a business um, and continue to buy courses, like continue to grow, continue to put yourself out there and tap into people who have done it before you, tap into people that are experienced in that area. Yeah, I think I think a lot of creators are, you know, the 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 skepticism and the, the worry about getting scammed is like a huge thing, you know, rightfully so. But um like for me, I don't even know how much money I've spent on courses over the years, you know, certainly in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds. Um, but uh, yeah, same thing for me. Like the way that I look at it is, you know, when I'm buying education or buying software, or buy systems or testing different things, a lot of people in general, there's, oh, you know, what if it's a scam? I'm not going to do it. Well, the way I look at it is, you know, if I'm going to look at 10 different courses or 10 different systems and I'm going to buy all 10 knowing that maybe eight or nine are not going to work or the scams or whatever, but the one that's not, 
that's the one that can pay you, you know, a hundred or a thousand times over. So what is your end goal with OnlyFans? Do you, I mean, is this something you're, you're going to try to sort of continue doing as long as you can, or do you, is it kind of a means to an end, a stepping stone to something else? What is kind of the end goal? I absolutely love what I do. Like I love my OnlyFans platform. I love my subscribers. I love the marketing side of it. To me, it really, really lights me up. Do I see longevity for my business on the only on on the OnlyFans side of it? it? That depends, I reckon, on my subscribers. Like I'm just gonna see and write it out. I don't want to give myself a date where I'm like, I'm ending or I'm starting here because things change. And I want to make sure that I'm always doing this from a place of when I love it and it lights me up. And if I ever get to that point, I think I will just close it down because it's not coming from the right place. I think personally, when you are joining OnlyFans and you're doing the platform and you're just in it for perhaps the money or you're just in it for a certain reason, you don't actually enjoy it. I think that's a big reason why a lot of women don't move forward or they don't grow because they may have joined for the wrong reasons and they're not doing it because they genuinely enjoy it and they genuinely enjoy the business side of it. So if I ever get to a stage where that is like within me, then yeah, I will look at slowly phasing it out. At the moment, I'm loving what I'm doing and you know, I don't see that happening anytime soon. And I'll have your your podcast and you know your, your Instagram and stuff linked below this video. Is there any other social medias or you know any any other spot that people can check you out uh no mainly just my instagram twitter that'll be it instagram and twitter if you message me anywhere else it's not gonna go so (laughs) i get too many they'll get lost (laughs) if you could give your younger self one piece of advice what would that be Uh, just be you like don't try and Be someone you think you should be to fit in. Don't try and mold yourself to please other people. The people that don't want to hang around you or don't like you are not supposed to be in your life. You are amazing and beautiful as you are. And the quicker you learn that, the quicker you understand being you is your ultimate power, then the quicker you will get on the path of being happy and, you know, getting on a path of doing something that you love and your freedom. So just be you. Thank you.